Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, weary traveler. Need a short rest? Oh, I see. They said you'd be showing up about now. Come on, through the portal. Best not keep the Lord Mistress and Lord Master waiting. You know how they get. Robots Radio presents The Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. My name is Sean. And we will be your lore master and lore TA for this episode. I do, I I do like that. And I do appreciate the fact that you changed your Discord name to match that. <laughs> not you. just not just on the DD Lorecast server, which I don't you're you're not much of a Discordian as as some of us may be, but you can actually change your name server to server. Oh, well, yeah, I just I I'm across the board. Yeah, like wherever you go. <laughs> On Discord. Uh and also in real life. I saw some uh I saw some documents uh in your office to uh yeah, for yeah, a name to change. Legally change. change. <laughs> but enough about the comings and goings and the the day-to-day Heather trivialities <laughs> of Lore TA Sean. We're here to talk some DD lore as we always are each and every week. And this week, uh, we were going to talk, I wanted to talk about Mind Flayers, because Mind Flayers uh, play a big part in Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, and in my research for Mind Flayers, I was like, you know what, I, I got to cast a wider net. Uh, we got to talk about all types of aberrations before we start honing in and focusing in on various types. So instead of just Mind Flayers, 
or just beholders, which they will get their own episode in the future. Fear not, dear listener. We will talk about mind flayers and we will talk about beholders and we'll even talk about those disgusting Niyogi. But right now we're going to talk about aberrations as a whole. So no single common characteristic easily distinguishes an aberration from any other sort of creature or signals a kinship to creatures of this type. You know, some are intelligent, some are not, some are vaguely humanoid in shape, some are not, some possess innate magical powers, and some do not. But creatures such as aboliths, as beholders, mind flayers, they represent entire societies of inhuman and amoral intelligences that regard humans and humanoids as potential slaves at best or more likely bleeding cattle awaiting slaughter. Aberrations are intelligent and evil, and they do share some common characteristics, even if they're not remotely related to one another. So let's talk about the first thing we're going to bring up is the Codex Anathema. Which is an awesome name for a book. Oh, absolutely. The Codex Anathema, it should be the name of your next book. And it should actually be, right? it should actually uh, be uh, in an in, in-universe text for what I'm about to describe because it sounds <laughs> gnarly AF. It really does. So over a thousand years ago, the wizard known as Iphagor of the Ebon Mirror composed a terrible book. This terrible book is known as the Codex Anathema. A student of distant places, times, and planes, Iphagor plumbed the depths of space and reality with the aid of the Ebon Mirror, which is a par- powerful artifact that allowed him to see into strange and terrible places that he probably shouldn't have been looking into. Let's be honest here. The Codex Anathema recorded the frightful visions that he observed in the Ebon Mirror, along with other sort of rambling essays in which Iphagor describes his own findings and conclusions about matters that no sane person should dwell should have dwelled on for any period of time. So it kind of sounds like Iphagor is using these artifacts and you are using this artifact and, and writing this book and kind of going crazy as he's doing it. Right. It it's kind of I mean, well, I've I've got kind some of thoughts, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Honestly. <laughs> In a way. Would, I would love to one, read this book, but two, I would like to see the movie about him writing this book. Oh no, yeah, absolutely. So the codex includes accounts of astral voyages into the dim antiluvian eons where aboliths ruled over the world. It also contained frenetic narratives about passages into the depths of the far realm and also dialogues with Ithilid sages and Soshari imposters. Studies and observations about creatures such as beholders, chuls, sirlons, and other beings clearly originating outside of nature comprise a large part of the codex but overall the book is poorly organized 
consisting of a haphazard collection of essays, narratives, notes, and odd arcane formula that are jotted down in whatever order Ifagor happened to think of them. So again, that goes to the point that sounds like this, the manifesto of a madman. Yeah, I'm kind of picturing Ifagor as like the Hunter S. Thompson of his day. <laughs> that's that's. I mean, I don't. I, that's not wrong. Is it right? <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, who I am don't... I? <laughs> but uh, but possibly. I would love to stumble across a book like this in real life that actually like, like this is my dream is to stumble upon some sort of arcane text written by somebody who claims to have had these experiences that like just shows you things that you can't even imagine. Like that is what I'm looking for when I read cosmic horror. Right. It's, right. it's the feeling whenever I'm writing cosmic horror that I'm going for. This book sounds amazing. And you know, aberrations on the whole have a you know huge debt to pay to Lovecraft and to that whole cosmic horror sort of um, aesthetic and idea and genre that you know Lovecraft you know stands atop the peak of. You know, he's if not the originator, definitely the the one who made it popular. Yeah, the most famous practitioner. And so, no one knows Ifagor's final fate. But it is said that the Ebon Mirror still exists, buried somewhere in some dreadful dungeon. And to stare into its depths is to risk both life and sanity. Yet, secrets of untold power might lie within its starry void. I mean, that's and that's how the movie ends, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of like a, um, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, like a slow pan out. Right, but dungeon. like, yeah, exactly, and it's like, you know, like next to like a playground or something. <laughs> like there's an kid. elementary school. Yeah, their kids play like playing Red Rover. All the while, this horrific magical artifact is fifty feet away from them. Uh, That's so, a pretty good ending. So aberrations, uh, as a kind, seem to cry out for explanation. In terms of uh, not only their appearance, for sure, but also their behavior, uh, in many ways, it's so it's the complete polar opposite of what one would consider humanity. That you know you, you can't help but want to try to explain it away in in, in some fashion. Uh, other monsters are part of the natural world, or come into being through actions of natural beings. But aberrations have no place in the usual order of things. Their origins are unthinkably distant both in time and in space, and as well as just planar cosmology on the whole. And while they are now natives of the material plane, they would be considered outsiders in D&D terms if they were not, aberrations share little or no kinship with the other living creatures of the world. But their origins, their unthinkable origins, is exactly what we're going to think about in this episode. <laughs> going to think brace about yourself, wizards. Brace yourself, wizards, uh, warlocks, fighters, rogues, paladins. all of you. All well, especially paladins. Paladins are getting worked up at this episode. They're listening <laughs> to this episode. Uh, Steam in, blowing out their ears in in the gym and just working up a sweat. Uh, so. We're going to talk about the the wares, the winds that aberrations come from, and 
for me personally, this is a fantastic topic. You know, being a huge fan of Cosmic Horror and all that, uh, you know, there's no, it's, it should be no surprise that something like a Mind Flayer or a Neogi or a, or a Beholder would just, you know, would, would scratch that particular itch. Mm-hmm. So most intelligent creatures live their lives on a single world in the material plane. And don't dream that the material plane includes anything other than the world that they know. But what they don't realize is the material plane is indeed an infinite space. It's filled with countless worlds, so inconceivably far removed from one another that only the most powerful of wizards can hope to travel from world to world. Each of these material plane worlds possesses its own unique conditions, and some of these distant worlds nourish strange forms of life. Aberrations from the remote reaches of the material plane come from worlds such as these, places stranger and more menacing than all but the most fearsome of the outer planes. And because these far worlds are still part of the material plane, it is technically possible to reach them via spells like greater teleport or teleport circle or other similar magic. And in fact, it's also possible for vessels with the proper magic to voyage between the worlds without any sort of teleportation magic. These flying ships are known as spell jammers and they can reach the moons or nearby planets or possibly even the worlds of other stars altogether. And if you've played even the beginning of uh, Baldur's Gate 3, you will have seen a spell jammer ship, a nautiloid that's a mind flayer ship. And if you are interested in spell jamming we have a bunch of episodes on spell jammer because <laughs> spell jammer is freaking cool so let me let me ask as somebody who doesn't know much about the world and the mechanics of spell jamming uh is so you know i'm uh, wondering about like the the distances between the worlds and traveling between them i i'm assuming that magic takes the place of like faster than light drives and stuff essentially to get you where you're going so that it doesn't take thousands of years no yeah for sure like you um i mean the the ship itself you know ships themselves fly at a certain speed i mean and it won't it wouldn't take thousands of years obviously um but you also need uh some sort of a, a captain of sorts uh and who has arcane power to essentially steer the ship. That's pretty cool. Oh, no, like I said, it's spell jamming is very <laughs> cool. And uh, I just, I, I feel a little bad because the fifth edition, the box set that came out uh, last year, the year before, uh, time is a construct, um, was very, it's kind of bare bones. It was a lot of fun, but it, 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 it suffered from what I feel a lot of fifth edition uh, releases suffer from which is they'll put it out and then just kind of leave it be like you know we did we got ravenloft and we got curse of strahd and we got van richting's guide and then that's it and we so we got Spelljammer, we got the box set and that was it and um dragonlance we got the box set and so far that's been it and wizards have said that moving forward they do want to release um like supplements and adventures for stuff that they've already released but as of right now it's it's pretty bare bones the homebrew community 
has definitely stepped up. Uh, if if they hadn't Spelljammer, in my opinion, for fifth edition would have been a complete bust. But yeah, uh, Spelljammer is much beloved within the D and D community, especially the homebrew community. So if you are interested at all in that, definitely check out DMs Guild for Spelljammer stuff. Uh, so journeying to a nearby world, whether it is the moon of the character's own native world or a different planet in its own right might require anything from a few hours to months or even years of star sailing. Like I said, you know, it's not going to take the thousands of years that, you know, um, that you might, might think it take, you know, something being light years away. But I mean, if you're traveling from one side of the universe, one side of the multiverse to the other, you're looking at at least a couple of years travel. The Niyogi are perhaps the best known example of a kind of extraterrestrial race. Descending from the dark night skies in their sinister spider-like flying ships, these rapacious slavers and oily merchants, I, that that phrase, they're oily merchants, uh, wander from world to world, trading with those strong enough to warrant caution and stealing from those who are not. I just looked up the Neogi. Uh, I just Googled an image. That is not what I was expecting. Oh, all. what were you expecting? I I don't know. I expected something more human in shape and less no. spidery, spider dragony. Yeah. No, yeah, the yogis are nightmare fuel, one hundred percent. Even yeah. even if I mean, and these are these are, you know, human sized, um, creatures. I mean, at at their largest, you know, they're they're medium sized, so the size of a, you know, of an average human. But they go, they go. They're also um. Uh, like tiny or small, but I'm saying if you if you saw something like that, the size of uh, like Myself. a frog, well, especially yourself. I mean, yourself, right. you're losing your mind. You're going crazy. Right. You're Just point me off. at the ebon mirror. It's I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. But if you saw something that resembled that, even the size of a frog, you'd probably. I mean, I I'd scream. It's disgusting. It they're absolutely like I I don't like looking at them. <laughs> for an extended period of time. Uh, So they enjoy access to the resources and markets of many worlds, and few can follow them when they depart for their next destination. The slaves that are taken by Niyogi rarely, if ever, see their homelands again. And then you have the Soshari, who also hail from a distant world, a cold and lightless place of terrible black ruins and endless shrieking winds. Also, I can tell, I can see you uh, Googling that. Also <laughs> nightmare fuel. Also absolutely terrified. Yeah, very, um, looks like something you might see in Ethan's domain, honestly. Like subterranean, yeah. sub, sub aquatic. No, yeah, yeah. I'm saying like you, like you jump into a lake and you see something like the size of a, a small trout that looks like that. You're freaking out. Mm-mm. You're losing your yeah. mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Unlike the Niyogi, however, who move from world to world so easily that they themselves do not recall the world of their own origin, the Soshari don't build star-faring vessels. They instead labor long and hard to create the magical gates that allow them to venture between worlds. That is also very cool. I love this idea that magic is um, very complex, complicated, hard work. Um and that it takes a long time to pull off these sort of feats. Oh, um, no. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things in fiction whenever 
magic is very very difficult i mean i i mean i feel that um it, it in in some instances it should be like in the uh rage of dragons uh patron plus episode i talked about the dragon age or the um the draco rage mythal and mythals um in general which think of it as a essentially a magic force field of, of a kind take dozens if not hundreds of spellcasters working together in order to cast it and to create it so oh, that sort of thing like i just love that makes me so happy <laughs> and so just as the origins of an alien race can be physically remote from the normal world they can also be temporally removed from the world that humans know some aberrations do not hail from places where the rules are different but instead originate in times when the world is, was, or will be a very different place than it is now. For most purposes, there is little difference between an origin remote in space and one remote in time. An alien and unforgiving world is an alien and unforgiving world. However, unlike aberrations out of space, aberrations out of time cannot easily return to their original homes should they unlike they, i mentioned in yogi don't even have memory of where their homes were but even if they did it'd be more difficult to do so if you are from the past or from the future now why why is that so is time travel just very difficult oh yeah i mean think about it you, you watch what okay so if you're watching back to the future why are they just disappearing from the photo why does the why does not the photo disappear right yeah, no, it would be instantaneous. It wouldn't be like a a, a process. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, why isn't the photo like? It's not like the, someone the just physical took a, artifact. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not like just someone took a photo of you know that background, <laughs> right? Like, oh, you know what? What this would be nice if people like stood there. This would be a yeah. nice framing shot. Yeah, maybe maybe if somebody invents Photoshop someday, I could put some people into this frame. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Garen for pointing that one out. A, a good friend and a listener. So the journey from eon to eon is much more difficult than the journey from planet to planet. And only the mightiest and most dreadful magician can do the trick. And of course, there are exceptions. Creatures that move through the time stream as easily as humans sail from port to port along a well-charted coast. But in general, aberrations from distant times are completely severed from their places of origin, never to return. So let's talk about those from the past, antediluvian aberrations. Aberrations hailing from exceedingly ancient times are the remnants or survivors of an ancient world, now replaced by a world that seems normal or natural to humans or humanoids, whoever, you know, the creatures living on it now. Some of these aberrations predate creation itself, existing as the last vestiges of a previous creation an older multiverse in which the rules were very different. And while this would imply a span of billions of years in your own universe, in the world of D&D, the creation of the world might be far more recent, you know, the span of a few hundred or thousand years. Creatures of antiquity deeply resent the arrival of these brash new humanoid races and other quote-unquote creator deities who erased the ancient predecessor universe and replaced it with one that was less hospitable to them. 
Aboliths are the best example of a race with this origin. So long ago, Aboliths populated an earlier creation filled with creatures of similar physiology and temperament, uh, a cold and horrible world of perpetual darkness, which Aboliths are awful, Mm-hmm. You know, point like period, like in and of themselves, <laughs> just you know, by themselves. But to have an entire world filled with creatures of one similar physiology, which is gross, but two similar temperament, that's just like that's not that Doesn't world should like a have fun died. place. That world <laughs> deserves to die. And there I said it, and I don't care what Abolith or Abolith sympathizers have anything to say about it. D and D Lorecast at gmail.com. <laughs> You know, this cold and horrible world of perpetual darkness doesn't sound so bad, though. I mean, um, you know, it just, sounds cozy. You yeah, know? It, you know, it's perfect snuggle weather, you know, make it make yeah. yourself a nice bowl of soup and maybe a hot cocoa. Yeah, read a book. But, you know, but you're stuck with, you know, creatures of similar physiology and temperament to that of Abolith. So Abolith, so they probably don't want to snuggle with you or let you read a book. Mm. I don't I, I, I won't kill you. Yeah, I don't I'm not going to stand for a race that won't let me read. <laughs> well, not. So this incredibly ancient world died and the world of humans, dragons and sunlight replaced it. <laughs> you know, things like that uh, <laughs> to the uh, Abolith's everlasting anger. And this is the my favorite part about Abolith's. Uh, might be my only, um, aside from the fact that I hate them so much, which is why I love them. Uh, but since Aboliths retain the memories of their progenitors and an unbroken line stretching back thousands of years, they still recall the earlier cosmos and long for the return of, for them, more favorable conditions. That's got to be heartbreaking for them. Nah, uh, yeah, prime your river. Yeah, I mean it. It was a horrible world. Again, perpetual darkness. Deserve to die. No dragons um, or sunlight. I'm, I'm talking no humans. That you know, that's you know, you could you could make an argument either way, <laughs> but no <laughs> dragons or sunlight. That's wild. I'm walking. So, other aberrations hail from the future instead of the past, depending on the amount of time involved. They possess striking insights into impending events. For those who live in the younger age, explaining in part their ability to anticipate and plan for events in the world around them. Some future-born aberrations return to the past to specifically engineer the events that will make their own world possible, a sort of paradoxical destiny uh, uh, against which the cosmos itself rebels. Uh, no future, but what you make it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the no mind fate, play- but what we make. No fate, but what we make. That's right. Uh, so there, yeah. In terms of time travel, there are two. <laughs> there are two schools of thought: uh, the Back <laughs> to the Future and Terminator. Um, <laughs> so the mind flayers are the most notable example of these time lost aberrations, although only a handful of the illithid savants. Uh, and probably no living member of any other race, uh, know of the races, know of the Illithids' secret origin. A star-faring species of great power existing at the very end of time, the Mind Flayers faced extinction with the imminent, imminent ending of all things, 
And through a great and terrible spell, the Mind Flayers dispatched great spell jamming fleets from the cold, pitiful remains of their dying cosmos back through time, appearing in the ancient skies of younger worlds. They arrived in the present era about 2,000 years ago, although the exact date varies from world to world. And and since their time-traveling magic produced different results as they, you know, um, as they journey into different cosmologies, that could explain... Well, you know, on this planet, they they showed up here in, at this time. On this one, they showed up at this other time. But one thing that is pretty standard across the board is that the enslavement of both the Gith, we spoke about just a couple of weeks ago, and the Duggar dates back to the early years of the Illithid ev- invasion of the present era. Now, naturally, sages per, uh, perusing accounts of mind flayer ships in the night sky, believe that mind flayers hail from another world, never suspecting that the illithid race also comes from another time. And as extra-temporal creatures, mind flayers know dark and dire things about events to come, including the eventual rise of their own race, their own species, and the end of the multiverse. And so to ensure that they will indeed come to exist at all, they pursue a strange and secret agenda of manipulating the world of their own past, the world humans and their kin must share with them. The mind flayers know that their plans cannot fail because they clearly exist. And so in a way, ultimate victory is inevitable. Interesting. I mean, there is the Star Trek first contact school of time travel. Uh, where the Enterprise somehow survives the Borg changing history in order to go back in time and rechange history or get it back on track because they were caught in some sort of temporal wave. So I'm just saying, maybe the Mind Flayers shouldn't be as confident in their ultimate victory as they uh, think they are. You um, You should bring a VHS copy of First Contact. Yeah. Uh, to a to a nautiloid, to a illithid spelljammer, and be mm-hmm. like, "Hey, just pop this in. I'm sure there's a machine on this ship somewhere that can play it." And just yeah. you know, I, I'm not going to bring a VCR of my own. No, uh, who has a VCR in, in these? Well, days? also, these aberrations will steal it from me, and then enslave me. No, exactly. But so, even if you did have a VCR, you want to keep it safe where it belongs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I can lose first contact. I can't lose my VCR. (laughs) You lose first contact. You can no longer watch first contact. You lose the VCR. You can't watch anything. Come on. It's just common (laughs) sense. All right. Like, I mean, I I see your machinations. Well, like, look, I can think, you know, I can play 40 chess too, buddy. All right. I can follow the through line to the end. You purple jerk. Um, (laughs) So... And then there are what is described as other wins. This is other W-H-E-N-S, other wins. Some aberration might come from worlds with alternate histories, planets where evolutionary events uh, or magical cataclysms or the will of dark deities perverted the world from its normal and natural course. On the surface, such a world would seem to be just a little different from a planet from some far corner of space 
or even a world that already exists in an alternate material plane. But these other when worlds are perhaps even more strange and shocking because they are so similar to the mundane world, yet horribly, terribly wrong. And some cases, these other winds aren't even entirely real. They possess only the potential to be real. And as the real world grows more distant, either in time or history, from the point of divergence that might have given rise to the other wind world, the other wind world begins to fade into the nothingness from which it came. Powerful and knowledgeable aberration races, recognizing the illusion of their mirror existence, seem to anchor their mirror world as the real one, thus preserving themselves by causing the extinction of the real world. And it might be possible to do this by performing some terrible rite or some awful magic, some terrible spell, or by searching out all the consequences of the divergence event in the real world and undoing them one by one. Since their existence itself is at stake, aberrations from a short-lived other win are capable of unthinkable acts that to other races might seem to be works of random or even meaningless evil. No known aberration races hail from such a perversion of the proper course of things, but that's not to say the possibility cannot be dismissed. You know, the absence of evidence is not the evidence of absence sort of thing. I mean, this is another thing where, like, I kind of feel sympathy for them. Can you imagine finding out that your entire existence is fake and that you're going to disappear? I mean, personally, I find that existence is a prison, so I'd be like, bring it on. Bring it Um, on. Can't wait to disappear. Yeah, (laughs) I've had enough of me. Um, But, you know, you know, if you've got kids or whatever, you know, you enjoy existing, you know. Again, like I would feel and I would feel more sympathy if if they didn't look like Naomi, <laughs> if they weren't just, the, if they the, were just unthinkable monsters. <laughs> yeah. If, I just, if they just weren't like just the, the, just the worst nightmare fuel that I, I want to look away, but I also can't. Are there any aberrations that just look like, like Ewoks, you know, just like cute little teddy bears or they all look like nightmares. Well, like no, because then they would be Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and not no, aberrations. No, uh, no, they all look like um, like the worst thing that anyone has ever drawn. They look. <laughs> they all look like like the kind of thing that would you know if a six year old drew it. Like okay, now we have to go see a psychologist. <laughs> like, and this is the monster okay. I drew. This is the monster in my under my bed. Like okay, like we're. Um, okay, Jimmy's taking the divorce a little too hard. <laughs> uh, well, that being said, we're going to take a quick break, go to the middle of the show. And when we come back, we're going to finish up, wrap up our discussion on aberrations. Hello, welcome to the middle of the show where we take care of all the middly housekeeping things. First and foremost, want to give a shout out to all of our listeners, especially our patrons over at patreon.com slash Lorecast. Thank you so much for supporting the show, for making certain things possible, uh, for helping grow the show in, in cool new ways that I never thought would be possible. We are going to start doing actual plays 
moving on to next year in 2024 and also doing some really cool stuff with those actual plays. So um, if you are interested in participating in those, check out the Patreon. Um, of course, they will be the episodes themselves will be available to everyone, but participation is only is only um, is only for the fair folk of the Patreon. They get to they get to play. They get to uh, play in my little sandbox that I create. Will I be a a kind or vengeful DM slash God? Uh, time will tell on that one. Time will definitely tell. Uh, yeah, if you so if you want to support the show in that way, you can like I said, you can go to the Patreon. Uh, link is in the show notes. If you want to support the show in other ways, we have social media presence pretty much everywhere over on X, formerly known as Twitter, on um, Blue Sky, on Threads, on Instagram, on TikTok, and soon to be uh, soon to be Twitch. And I'm going to get that set up very soon. I'm going to be streaming some Baldur's Gate 3, possibly some of those aforementioned live plays, and plus a bunch of other cool stuff, a bunch of variety stuff, you know, um, more likely. I'm a big Dead by Daylight fan, not really um, D&D related, but I, I, I do love the game. I love my horror stuff, as you can probably tell based on all the spooky stuff that I talk about all the time on the Lorecast. Um, so yeah, you can support us on the social medias. You can join the discord. A link to that is in the show notes. Discord is really cool. We're always talking about something D and D related, posting memes, posting character builds, stuff like that. As far as D and D news goes, well, the big news this week is that Baldur's Gate three won several awards at the 2023 game awards, including uh best RPG kind of, kind of obvious i was going to get that one um best community support which is really cool best performance award for neil newbin who did the voice of asterion and of course game of the year so we had discussed it previously it was a front runner in our opinion for game of the year um it had some uh tough competition from super mario brothers wonder and the new legend of zelda tears of the kingdom but i you know i for everyone was going absolutely gaga over this game when it came out. And for good reason, it's absolutely amazing. And I def definitely think it sets uh, a new bar for how immersive and how good RPG games can be moving forward. Uh, other news, apparently the uh, developer of Payday 3, the, the game Payday 3, is working on a new D&D game. It's a co-op multiplayer D&D game that the developer claims to be a, quote, larger than life experience. Uh, they say it will launch on all major platforms in 2026. So, like I said, the bar has been set. I mean, I feel like if we don't get something that is at least on the level of Baldur's Gate 3 from now on when it comes to D&D &D games, it's going to be a bit of a disappointment. So um, so the developer, Starbreeze Entertainment, definitely has um, definitely has something ahead of them to to work out. And in D&D... Uh, like Adjacent news, um, Matt Colville of MCDM Productions uh, launched their Kickstarter for their own RPG. You know, when the whole OGL fiasco uh, occurred, Matt Colville um, announced that they were going to start working on a new RPG from the ground up, not using any OGL content. Um, of course, probably that, you know, all the history of RPG gaming will probably inform the, their new, their new game. But they weren't going to they weren't going to start with the foundation of D and D. They're going to start you know, from the beginning and try to make a, a new game, um, like I said, from the ground up. And so um, they finally they've been play testing some stuff. They've been um, they've been announcing they've been posting videos about its development. Well, they finally launched the backer kit. Um, as of this recording, it was launched I think yesterday or the day before. And with 28 days left, it's already passed over two million dollars 
Um, so yeah, if you are interested in a brand new system and a new game from uh, a guy who knows what he's talking about, I'm a huge fan of Matt Colville. I've been watching his videos for uh, months, if not years now, and he definitely knows how to make how to play a game, how to how to DM, how to make the game exciting and fun. And that's exactly the whole point of the game that they're creating over at MCDM is to make it more cinematic, to make it more like a movie. Um, and so, yeah, if you're interested, check it out. You can get PDFs, you can get physical copies. A link to that will also be in the show notes. And as far as homebrew stuff goes, our homebrew corner of the week, well, we're talking about aberrations. So I looked up on TM's Guild what I could find, and I found from Jacob Driscoll, the Aberration Hunter's Handbook. Now, this has a five-star rating, and it's available on PDF for only $5.50. Alien horrors amass just beyond the veil of this world, turning their bizarre gaze towards the minds and bodies and natural beauty. Hungry. Corruption. Madness, mutation, debased cults, and squamous star spawn, elder evils, ancient abolites, beyond beholders from beyond the moon. We need heroes to protect us. And in this book, you will find a group or six groups of aberration hunters, seven backgrounds for those hunters and others, uh, two new species, two new subclasses, four feats, nine spells, over a dozen magical treasures, plus more. Definitely check it out if you are trying to um, get that lovecraftian feel to your character uh link will be in the show notes it's 550 for um for quite a heft of content i definitely recommend it like i said it's got five stars already so don't take my word for it take it from the other people who have played this who have used it in their campaigns use it in their one shots the aberration hunter's handbook with that being said let's get back to the show Welcome back from the middle of the show. We're going to finish up. We're going to wrap up our aberration talk and not a moment too soon because we keep Googling images of these horrible creatures and I will probably have nightmares tonight. Me too. They're the worst. They're the absolute worst. The in creatures. Terms, in terms of behavior and in terms of appearance. I can't I can't think of another uh, creature type within D&D that I despise more. <laughs> That's really coming across in this episode, I think. I hate them so much. So we talked about, uh, you know, the winds of where they might come from. Now let's talk about the wares. So various aberrations have their origins in the infinite variety of planes that exist beyond the material plane. Uh, just like worlds uh, distant in time or space, the stranger and more remote planes are places where the very laws of nature no longer apply. Capricious gods, bizarre magical phenomena, and alien environments all combine to populate the planes with both strange but also fearful beings. Planar denizens are outsiders or elementals, beings that might be better, uh, better regarded as spirits manifested in corporeal forms. However, Planes such as the Abyss, as Pandemonium, or even Gehenna, they're also home to creatures that are every bit as physical as humanoids. These are the aberration races, and though few are powerful enough to challenge the great outsider races for dominance of a plane, 
these planar dwelling aberrations control or infest portions of non-good planes. Aberrations from distant planes are in some ways closer to their origins than aberrations from space. Uh, spells such as plane shift, shadow walk, stuff like that offer ready access to distant planes. And unlike a teleport spell, it's possible to set off without knowing precisely where you're going. So while aberrations do roam the depths of the nine hells and the fetid layers of the abyss, they are especially common in one place, the far realm. The far realm represents the very edge of creation, the place that exists at the borders of conception. What lies beyond it is physically inconceivable and cannot be brought into existence. Which is the way to say, like, we haven't thought of it yet. <laughs> uh, it is possible that the far realm exists as both a spatial and temporal frontier, as well as a planar one, and that a traveler, traveler who moves through space or time to the ends of the universe could reach the far realm in much the same way that a planar travel co traveler could. But if explorers have attempted such a journey, they have not returned to tell the tale. Wherever the far realm truly lies, it is a place where all natural law runs amok. Aberrations are spawned in its infinite madness, and some of these find their way either through space, through time, or most commonly through planar travel to the mundane realms of humanoids. Creatures such as cloakers, the strange and sinister beings that haunt the black underground depths, these originate in the far realm and came to the normal world long ago. Likewise, the terrible Sirlon, a psionic monster of great strength, also arose in the far realm. Beyond the far realm, or rather aside from the far realm, because like I said beyond the far realm, we haven't thought of it yet. Uh, aside <laughs> from the far realm, the swirling mist of the ethereal plane is home to a number of strange planar aberrations that interact with the normal world. The ethereal filter is one of the more common. It's a bizarre creature whose penchant for petty theft has caused tremendous trouble for groups of adventurers and explorers, which the description, you know, makes them, it's less, you know, mind flavor. Makes them sound like scamps. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like something you'd see like in a Dickens novel. Um, but as far as uh, the appearance goes, uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's not as disgusting, but it's still very unsettling. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's no Neogi, but I still don't want to look at it for any extended period of time. <laughs> uh, far more dangerous and sinister aberrations, such as the uh, Ethergaunts, also inhabit, inhabit the ethereal plane or the drifting demiplanes found in its depths. Ethereal aberrations enjoy easy access to the material plane, but at the same time remain safe from all but the most powerful and determined enemies in the mundane world. Another place they could yeah, come they sound... from. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, they sound like pranksters, really. Like they, they come to the material world, they mess around and then they, I guess, go home. Yeah. Sort of, you know, Nick, uh, uh, 
bobbies and pins from you <laughs> and then steal your vhs's yeah, steal your try to steal your vcrs Oof. um yeah i mean like i said as far as like you know the the evil factor it really ratchets up with beholders and mind flayers and, and yogi uh these guys are you know more like more like a nuisance than anything right still still ugly as i'll get out though still absolutely terrible to look at <laughs> not doing well on the apps no no hard swipe left for sure <laughs> another um place that they could come from is really interesting uh sort of alternate material planes beyond the plane of shadow lie entire cosmologies only guessed at by the sages and clerics of humankind some of these alternate cosmologies strongly resemble the familiar multiverse, but others are strange and hostile places. And much like the other win worlds that we talked about in the first half of the show, uh, these uh, or planets that are remote in time or space, these alternate material planes are places where almost anything could be true. Travel from one material plane to another is difficult at best. The roads through the plane of shadow are dim and confusing, and few can find a path leading in the direction they wish to travel. Nevertheless, some creatures have made the journey, including the bizarre Grell, which emigrated from an, uh, another material plane only a few generations past. Aberrations native to entirely different multiverses and cosmologies do not always come through the plane of shadow to reach the normal world. Various forms of gates and other world-spanning magic permit a knowledgeable traveler to reach an entirely different world with a mere step. What's your verdict on the grill? It's like a bird brain. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like if a giant brain and a chicken and a squid had a baby. Yeah, and they all got to contribute equally. <laughs> yeah, they're all and whatever mad scientist was performing the IVF was like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna take a third from each of you. <laughs> I'm gonna be so fair about this. <laughs> and and this is what you get when you have when you when you try to please everyone, you don't please anyone because the grill yeah. is absolutely <laughs> awful. Yeah, no, that's uh, that is really upsetting to look at. And that's the thing, it's not terrifying. The Niyogi is legitimately scary. Like if right. I just like looking at a at a painting or a drawing of it, I uh I am very much put at un uh, yeah, I'm very uneasy. Right. Uh, looking at this, I'm just like, I why? Like I like, I don't have fear in me. I just I just Why would you do that? I, I want to give up. It makes me it makes me feel complete apathy. Yeah. If I'm a Grell, existence is definitely a prison. Oh, absolutely. You know what? I'm rethinking my own stance on existence being a prison. At least I don't look like a grill. At, you know what? Wake up every day. At least I didn't have to eat out of a dumpster. Yeah, uh, that's number yeah. one. No, that's Yeah, I learned that from watching Traffic. Uh, fantastic film. Should have won Best Picture instead of Gladiator, but this is not the 100. podcast for that discussion. Right. We're not going to relitigate that here. Um, and then also, at least I'm not a grill. Uh, another way that aberrations can come into uh, existence is through magical mutation. 
Some aberrations are created through the actions of other mortals. With powerful enough magic, the laws of nature can be perverted to manufacture mockeries of other creatures, which is kind of what I feel the grill is, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, this sounds (laughs) a lot like the grill. Speaking of grills, uh, sometimes this magical mutation is purely accidental, the unintended result of some terrible cataclysm or curse. But all too often, it is a deliberate act, twisting life itself into pleasing or convenient forms is evil and reckless, a blasphemous deed that frequently leads to unforeseen consequences. But the desire to create the perfect warrior or the most uh, subservient uh, you know, handmaiden has led more than one archmage into folly. Aberrations created through magical mutation tend to be fewer in number and rarely have much of a you know racial history, obviously having been created since they originated in a specific program or event that might only be a few decades or at the most a few centuries old. So we're talking Urukai versus orcs. Exactly. Thank you for for putting that within a framework that my brain can understand. <laughs> uh, they are solitary brutes as opposed to the evil masterminds. Uh, Wizards who are interested in creating slave soldiers or useful servants don't go out of their way to breed highly intelligent creatures for fear of creating things with both the ruthlessness that they they desire, but also the genius to supplant their masters. The Chul and the Umber Hulk provide examples of aberrations created through magical mutation. And we'll actually, in the Patron Plus installment for this episode, We'll be, uh, dig into the lore behind the Chul and the Umber Hulk. So if you are interested in listening to that and you are not currently a patron, definitely check out patreon.com slash Lorecast. We have two Patron Plus installments every month, plus a bonus episode every month as well. So the Umber Hulks, strong, hardy, armed with powerful natural weaponry, um, the creators are lost into the in the depths of time, but Umber Hulks have been have existed for thousands of years now. Chuls, on the other hand, were created only several hundred years ago by an evil mage king who dreamed of conquering vast territory with an army of his own creation. And although the mage king was defeated by an alliance of the neighboring realms and his keep was destroyed, his army of Chuls escaped to plague the world thereafter i mean can you imagine you're in your village you know your little village in rohan right and an army of tools comes over the horizon like i see that no frame of reference like yeah just (laughs) i again like i'm just done at that point (laughs) i'm like i'm sorry kids you know there's no hope hope has left these lands we are in a dark terrible world of darkness without dragons or sunlight. Uh, uh, when I think of Chul, it always reminds me of the the Dark Tower series, the beginning of the second book. Oh yeah, with the little lobstrosities. Yeah. Well, you say little, but yeah, they're they're pretty big. Oh, are they? I mean, I, that's mean... How, I imagine them to be about you know big enough to take a few fingers off a man, off a gunslinger yeah. at that. Yeah, that's true. Fair enough. I 
I guess I pictured them as being sort of about the same size as like a crab, but they'd probably need to be about two or three times as large. I never really thought about it. Uh, but the chul itself is large, which means that it's bigger than your average humanoid, uh, which is, yeah, you see something bigger than you that looks like a giant evil lobster um, on four legs, but also has giant pincers. Like, no, yeah, can't. no, thank you. Mm-mm. And finally, this is for me personally, this is my favorite origin like story, my favorite possibility as terms of where an aberration could come from. And it's that not, not all deities belong to the pantheon of human or humanoid gods. There are dark and powerful divinities with little or no interest in humankind that lurk in the universe, seeking only to propagate their own alien visions of creation and existence. Whether as a deliberate act or as a simple side effect of their own existence, these alien divinities create monstrous beings to terrorize and corrupt the world of humankind. Aberrations spawned by alien deities might or might not be aware of their origin. Some worship their progenitors, divine beings shunned by all the other gods and all the other races, while others despise the callous divinities that birth and then abandon them to existence and an uncaring universe. Aberrations born of a de- deity's power or interest seek to appease or serve the divinity in question through fervid worship and the sacrifice of beings they deem enemies of their alien god. And by founding widespread cults and destroying the worshipers of you know, traditional, conventional gods, they hope to weaken the humanoid pantheons and make possible the ascendancy of their own gods. Beholders are the best known of the god-spawned aberrations. The cryptic being, known as the Great Mother, has no place in any other pantheon. But from the moment it first entered the multiverse, it began to seed its progeny, the multifarious race of beholders, throughout the world. Every beholder that exists is merely a reflection of the Great Mother's will and instinct to replicate itself. Destractions, likewise, arise from the dark dreams of a nameless god, but they revile their creator, and all gods, for that matter. No non-distraction knows the purpose or identity of the sinister being that created these monsters. We keep our god to ourselves. The the heading to this section is Dreams of a Mad God, which I just love. I love that that uh of a an insane deity essentially dreamt these up, dreamt up these awful creatures, and now we have to deal with them. <laughs> right, right. That they yeah. Um I love this idea too of uh, divinities with little or no interest in humankind. I think if I were a deity, I would probably not. I would also be like, eh, I'm going to play video games. Uh, so yeah. You know. I mean, Baldur's Gate maybe 3 I'll, is Maybe cool, dream up some monsters. Yeah. <laughs> maybe like dream up some uh, like crazy like monster dinosaur things, which is what a distraction is. It's 
it kind of looks like a velociraptor um that came from space essentially <laughs> yeah yeah i'm looking at it right now that's exactly what it looks like but and they don't talk about their god no they're like we don't we don't care about them we don't care about them uh we hate them it kind of sounds a little like they're maybe going like they're teenagers right now. They're like, why did mm-hmm. you, why did you even bring me into this world? It's so broken, but you know, they'll Existence grow up as a prison. They'll realize yeah, you know, parents are just parents or mad gods are just, you know, people make who make mistakes, infallible, yeah. infallible people, just like the rest of us. And we all are, we're all trying our best. Be a, Even the mad gods. Yeah, be it be it a lore master, a lore TA, or a mad god. An and I think if deity. we can take, I think if we can take anything away from this episode, that's the lesson. That's the lesson. We're all trying our best, regardless of of who we are. Oh, uh, well, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> uh, thank you for letting the lore cast be a part of your day. Uh, we hope to uh, hope to see you again here in the next few weeks uh, as we wrap up the uh the year and go into 2024 with uh some cool new changes um some you're still going to get lore just about every week uh we're also going to have actual plays with some of our patrons every month as well so very exciting times that we're living in uh hopefully it doesn't bring about the the end of the multiverse hopefully this isn't part of mind flayer machinations <laughs> And uh, this doesn't bring about like their their rise to power and thus the end of the multiverse. So, but again, I, I I'm just trying my best. Yeah, I mean, even the mind flayers are just trying their best. I'm about to rock their world with a little movie called First Contact. <laughs> you are, you are. But uh, so again, my name is Sergio. My name is Sean. And if you ever see yourself with a mind flayer, make sure your VCR is safe. And until we meet again, may all your twenties be natural. Thank you for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, consider following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at D&D Lorecast. Or jumping into the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll see you soon. Listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.